I get it. I get it. Oh boy, it's about a year before that, right? No, it was, it was actually months before that. But they Apollo Eleven, you know, they've gone up a lot. Of, they tried yeah, like yeah, ten other times. We're we're, we're on the air. Let's let's let's, let's go. That's All okay. Right. That's good banter. Before good banter, good banter. Hey everybody, it's nice to have some intro banter. Star Trek: The Original Series, uh, <laughs> Season Two, Episode Twenty Six, Assignment Earth is over and has been since nineteen sixty eight. And may or may not have corresponded with the moon landing. We'll get into it. I'm Dave Mater, coming at you at Star Trek TV Movie Reviews. Here for Wednesday, Ted Track Original Series. Uh, let's bring in my dad, Ted. How are you doing, Dad? Doing good, thanks. Doing good. Oh, you got the, the light. Oh, yeah. This is, got the flash of light on the on this on this episode. And where's your yes, black cat? Yes. Where's your black cat? Where's Isis, who may or may not be his girlfriend? We have to kind of figure that out. Uh, let's bring in my brother Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. Ready to talk about this great episode. This no leaves came on, huh? Nope. No leaves. <laughs> no leaves tonight. Let's bring in Jody Simpson. <laughs> no Raptors either. No, no Raptors. Hey Jody, how Hello? you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. That's good. Your assignment was assignment Earth to watch assignment Earth, and we're gonna break that all down. Uh, and last, we have Adam Woodward. How are you doing tonight, Adam? I'm good. I really like this episode, Jody. No one asked. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. Uh, I'm just kidding. And just for the record, yes, it is Assignment Earth 1968. This aired... Um, March 29th, 1968. I gotta, we gotta fact check where that lines up with the moon, the Apollo 11. Uh, that was July of 1969, so, so it's a year, it a year away. But, but it, was um, right in the, it was right in the, in the pressure going up to that. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what did you think of Assignment Earth? Um, I lean more... Okay, I think it was a great concept and I enjoy a bunch of the episode, but it's like they didn't have enough material or they really drew it out too much. It was boring, uh, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, I think I enjoyed what I, what they did offer. Uh, I, some of it was so hokey. I liked it. Like, uh, Hey, quit monkeying around. And, you know, like just, you know, when she sees Spock's ears and just some of the moments are just ridiculous, but kind of good, like in a way. So, I don't know. I didn't hate on it as much as uh, I think you guys are going to. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give away what I think, but like, let, let's maybe we'll try to stay on the, maybe more the positive side. Jody, I, I think you and I may be more on the negative end of the spectrum for here, so so we'll come to us last. But uh, let's go to Adam next. Adam, tell me about Assignment Earth. Why do you like this? I like I, I just like I said last week. I like them. You know, I like them going back into the '60s. And yes, Jody, it was the '60s, and I'm gonna—I'll take away from Ted because he'll say it too. But it was a good episode. The clothes are great. It was a different time. The costuming was awesome. And Terry Gar—I had to look it up to be sure it was her, but it was her, and I love her. And uh, uh, that was a nice little treat. I didn't know. Okay, she but who's Terry Gar? Like, is—is is this an actress I would know? Uh, you don't know who Terry Gar is? No, I don't. Classic oh. '60s actress, Dave. Jeez, keep up. Yeah, like, well, I. Well, she was more predominant in the seventies, I think. Yeah, the what, 70s. What, what was she yeah. on otherwise? Like, what would big, I know her from? Her big picture was uh, Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay, I, I, and I saw that when I was very young. I have, it's been a long time since I've seen Young oh, Frankenstein. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a read. Dave, Dave Apollo uh, Apollo One was February of nineteen sixty seven. So, 
Yeah, I know that there was there was missiles and ships going up. Um, And and Apollo 11 was July of 69. So just imagine how many Apollos were going up. That's almost like 11 and. Yeah, well, no, it's eleven and no, it's eleven. It's eleven in two years. Yeah, that's, right. that's really well, technically, the first one didn't go up though. Yeah, did that one blow up on the on the pad? Yeah, that's Grissom. Yeah, that's and, brutal. Like, yeah. But, but Dad, like this is this is not about them putting a a, a mission to the moon into space. Okay, because no, we'll, 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 we'll break down the whole plot. But the the the, the it's about putting missiles, H uh, bombs, into space. Yeah, the plot on this one is they never that never really was a plot to that the public knew about. If that did happen, the public never knew that they were even considering doing something like that. The the the, the all those rockets, the footage that you saw was all. Apollo uh, rockets in preparation for the moon launch, which was Apollo 11. Right. Uh, yeah. Dad, what do you, but you're a fan of this episode? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, what, I, the only you... thing I didn't like about this episode was that stupid cat. I don't understand that cat why it was there. The cat's uh, it, you know, it's, it was Oh, uh, well, here, let's take a quick look at Isis, uh, at least in the uh, cat form. Uh, now, this this char- this is a character. This is Gary Seven's little uh, sidekick. Um, and Even it's, these it's, pictures it's, piss me off. It's the worst <laughs> part. Of the, by the way, I'll come back. Though. I'll come Adam, back. Had Adam please defend the cat to me. Because why is the cat good? Yeah, tell me about the yeah. cat. Okay, I mean, listen again. You know what? What? What's wrong with a cat? Just, just before I like, is it because it, it's the not cat, a? Why is the cat like you know f- ten stories up, helping Gary Seven, you know, fiddle with the rocket? Like this is a ridiculous picture. Like, what's the cat bringing to the situation? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what does he need the cat for? And how did the cat get there? Yeah, that, you know, that, like the scene was a little weird, I gotta admit, but he carries it everywhere. You know, you know, maybe it was a little spin-off of, of, of Green Acres when they had Arnold Zippel the pig and everybody <laughs> could understand him, but Mr. Douglas. Well, maybe he could understand what the cat was saying to him. He did, he could understand what the cat was saying to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. What's the okay, okay, but especially after the episode Cat's Paw, which was the opening of season two which is the same season which started off with a character named like sylvia who was also turning into a cat a black cat who also wore jewels around its neck like this that was so weird and then it was turning into a woman at one point and 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 not but this cat helps gary seven it can get places he can't get um you know (laughs) it can speak to it keeps him on track we know this it got him into his office you know like it's his partner Okay, so how did Gary Seven? He Gary Seven is a man of the 20th century, right? Yes. How did he get the technology of the computer and that, like how did that happen? It's from this alien race. Okay, so so just Jody, I'm gonna get to you in a second, but I just want to. It's break fine. The, there shouldn't be more episodes with Gary Seven. I'm sorry. I just I just want to break. Okay, Gary Seven. This was like a backdoor pilot, right, for a whole new show. Yes. Okay, but it never got picked up. Um, and this I wonder been, like, why. I wonder why. Yes, but it was it was it was like a, kind of like a crossover for a show that didn't exist yet, which is is why which this feels which is why good. this which, 
feels so weird. Which Dad would have loved. Dad definitely would have loved the Gary Seven show. But yeah, what I, I what I gathered, what I was able to gain, Jeff, in the for this episode was that his ancestors were abducted from Earth six thousand years ago. Him and a whole, uh -huh. and then those humans were raised for subsequent generations by this these mysterious aliens who nobody knows about until they were yeah. like, and, and then they yeah. were brought to Earth and other planets to like help them or something. Sounds a lot like Scientology. You know, like it's a, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, it's a very. I wonder if he has this, laser nipples. Yeah, he's from this time. But Jody, okay, this. Okay, what, here's okay. My problem with this, Dave. You and I are on the same page here, which is very episode, rare. It starts off with them. They're already back in time. Okay, it's fucking yeah. brutal. They're it, just here for a casual day of observing the past. Well, they got a new uh, a new machine. That's much more high tech than when we watched season one version last week, and they and they got shot back in time with some kind of a storm. Uh, right, that that was storm. accidental. They got put in back in time accident yeah, ex like accidentally. A, but here they the technology. Just think though, one year later, they invented the technology to take them back in time much more uh, easily and uh, routinely. No, okay. This is the only Jody. Correct me. This is the only time that time travel is portrayed to be this easy. Yes. And this routine. Yeah. Well, do you even remember, do hey, we remember hey. even watching, you know, various Star Treks, even in the movies and stuff? Like it's like, I, I, I don't even know what fucking <laughs> level you guys are on. Like this is, okay, this is absurd. You gotta get beyond. You gotta get beyond. This is fucking there. Sabrina, the teenage witch. Oh, it's fucking like, Agents Ooh. of Mad or something Where like fucking. This is retarded. This one mad scientist in, 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 for Starfleet came up with this new concept, and they they're working on it in this particular episode. Yeah. No, I I'm so aggravated by this. It's not even funny. Like I I did, and no disrespect to anybody on the panel, but oh, okay, <laughs> starting like that, we get it. But come on. Like, in what fucking world is this a good show? In what oh, world really is this good. Star Trek? Okay, I don't... I... Yeah, okay, let Adam go. One thing that Jeff said initially was it was boring, right? And, you know, it comes back to that whole extra 10 minutes of, of, of air time that they had to do back then. Uh, honestly... You think you take 10 minutes out of this episode and it makes it good? Yeah, I, I think oh, you take... Oh, you're so wrong. Star you're Trek. I'm on... I'm with Adam. <laughs> They, I would say five minutes. I, say I will minutes. watch the fucking space hippie episode again before I watch this shit. I think, uh, Jody, hear us out. I think if you eliminate a lot of the like rocket stuff that is just droning on mm -hmm. and it's just like uh, uh, Scotty zooming in on a stupid uh, satellite. All of that, like, just make that very, like, very short. Like, you, were, I think Adam's right. They had to make it forty minutes. This isn't even really a Star Trek episode. It's a Gary Seven spinoff episode. Back, and here I go again. But nineteen sixties, we were in the moon race. It was the Russians and the Americans race I to the moon. I completely okay? understand and that. So respect that. And, and everybody watched. Like, you got to remember when a moon launch or a, a, a rocket launch like that was on TV. It was on TV on every station on TV. I I'm the right? guy that watches NASA That's TV they whenever they launch them. Like it's, I I love this shit. And the only thing I liked about this episode was the archival footage that I got to see. Like that was it. 
everything else about this episode isn't a Star Trek episode. That I don't know what world you guys are in. <laughs> like, well, I think if you count the amount of actual airtime that like Kirk and uh, the actual Star Trek crew has, it's less than the jackass that's running this damn thing. Yeah, but yeah, he's he was in the episode more than anyone. Way more. And but if I'm gonna sit down and watch Star Trek, I want my fucking characters from Star Trek. I don't want some fucking Sabrina the Teenage Witch fucking cat running around. I don't want some hat? asshole who thinks he's Max from fucking Get Smart. Like, why is um Spock thinking he's in like a '90s like pop band? Yeah, like you know, he, like what's he looks going like he should there? be running for Big Sugar. He looks like he's the lead singer of New Radicals. <laughs> you only get what you give. <laughs> yeah, they spend a lot of time in suits and and trench coats in this episode. Um, just like okay, this Gary Seven character is interesting. I think I like that. Maybe that's my only redeeming thing here because he's. He's using what's kind of like a sonic screwdriver. Yes, he is. I that last but, week. But this is actually before Doctor Who was using a sonic screwdriver because they didn't use it till the third Doctor, and this is before that. So this is kind of... So it, it feels a little bit like Doctor Who. He kind of feels like Get Smart, I guess, a little bit in like this secret right. agent sense, but he less not like a buffoon like Get Smart. Um, and there was another character, like just this whole like um, time travel business and whatever, but... Uh, sorry, where am I going, Jody? Is there you're going nowhere because that's I'm going what this nowhere. Is. Yeah, this is this is no. What, what, what are you guys original, doing here? Come on, is this a practical point, joke? Like, am I on some sort of show? The original <laughs> like, point is, I think if this episode had a bit more content with the Star Trek characters, um, I think and a little bit less archive footage and a little bit less rocket like porn that they were that they, they, it's a lot of rocket stuff i get yep. that what dad's saying that yeah. nobody you know people didn't watch it at the time and that you have it in a star trek episode i'm sure it was like really great so people could see it all over the world and stuff that part a lot is of that, perfectly fine with me i have no problem with the archive footage it, i have no problem with that this is the time that this was exciting this is this is the cutting edge right and i get that and i'm all for that part but it's yeah. everything else in this episode that's terrible the cat is a big a big thing with you, I'm guessing, Jody. The cat is <laughs> retarded. I have no idea why this is there. I, I don't get it. The cat you know, is and like not even my least favorite thing here. Like I, I, I don't okay, like and I sorry Adam, but this uh this character, this Terry Gar character, whatever, the secretary Roberta is not my favorite. Um, but she's doing the typewriter, Dave, and it's typing and she's like, why is it typing? <laughs> is it a typewriter no like if the, if the show had gotten off i think maybe maybe that I, I can i can see like the dynamic they were trying to go for she was like the fun hippie secretary who was going to who kind of walked in on this situation but was going to endear herself to gary seven and be part of that show i get what they were trying to do but i don't know she, her place in this episode is maybe a little maybe i don't have the emotional attachment to her that you I do well, he was holding her prisoner. Like she wasn't she and then she was like, Oh, and then now she's defending him when Kirk and Spock come in. And then she was acting like they were like trying to attack her. Uh and she was all hysterical. And it was just like Yeah. And it was I don't know. She her her motivations were weird. You know, I was like, What I don't get who like why you're on this guy's side. It doesn't really make any sense, you know. From what you see, why would you be like, you know, like uh, you know, so the, some of that stuff I didn't really 
yeah, like land for me. But the the stuff that like the the overall plot guys of stopping the the warheads and space and the the you know the the Star Trek guys have to stop it. I think was that part was kind of cool. Yeah, I was fine. I'm not against it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not against that part at all. I. I just. I don't get. I. I, I honestly don't understand why you guys like this episode. I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't like it. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm it's, just. It's not space hippies. I can't believe you said that, dude. I would watch the space hippies <laughs> this, episode. This, this if makes I space want, hippies. Okay, you tell me which episode between the space hippie and this episode represents Star Trek better. Well, the, yeah, I agree with oh, that part, but the, the space hippie and the space hippie watch. episode is terrible. The way absolutely terrible, but at least Dude, it's Star Trek. You lower your standards a little bit, maybe. <laughs> I already lowered my standards. I watched this fucking thing. You'd be the guy at a baseball game in 1968 video saying, "I want a 2020 uh, cameras." Yeah, no, you're missing the whole point on what I'm trying to say, Ted. I have <laughs> I have no problem with the plot. I have no problem with the whole archival footage things because they're literally playing on what's happening at the moment. Because at right. the moment when this episode came out, this was the big deal, right? Yeah. I totally get it. And I would have loved to live in that time period for that. Um, it's, it's everything else in this episode. The fact that it's not really Star Trek. Like this looks like yeah. it was literally written by somebody who doesn't know anything about Star Trek. They're like, oh, there's really? these space guys and they're in this thing that looks like a saucer and then they're going to save things. Who wrote it? I have uh, no idea. Dean Roddenberry and Art Wallace wrote the story, and the teleplay is by Art Wallace. Really? Uh, yeah. Wow. He, yeah. So they were. They That's were, why it's bad. Gene Roddenberry wrote it. Like, well, that was, definitely <laughs> doesn't help the situation. That's there, for sure. Are there, what episodes did Art Wallace write? Art Wallace, he wrote it. Um, like he wrote a bunch of episodes. Uh, let me have a look here. He. He only wrote one other one, Dave. He wrote Obsession. Oh, okay. Obsession. That's the one where Kirk is chasing the smoke monster. That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Right. But I think he wrote, but he was also some a story on a few other ones, wasn't he? I, I'd have to look it up. But um, but these were not like new, brand new writers or people who were not Star Trek writers who came in to just write a, this episode as a backdoor poly. These were two of the Star Trek writers, at least. Um, Gene maybe, Robert, the creator. Maybe they were trying to create a new series so they'd keep working. I mean, well, they made yeah. a they made a a costume faux pas, I think, in this movie, in this show, rather. What was when that? The bomb, when the bomb blew up, and they were talking about the one minute for one hour and four minutes or whatever it has, one hundred four kilometers above or whatever, you know. And they're with Gary Seven, and they're in those uh, Star Trek. Uh, they're not in their Star Trek uniforms. They're in the you know, they just transferred from uh, wherever they were in uh, on the on the naval base, right? And then right. and then it, then and then it goes to the next scene, and they're in their uniforms, but they're still on Earth. How did they get those on? Well, I, I don't think it's. I think there's meant to be some sort of a time jump there. I don't think so because why would Gary Seven and everybody else still? They're they're, they're talking like it just happened. Well, and I think they, they where to ship them back that fast. That's where and where does where does Gary Seven go when he walks into that blue portal? That's where? his transporter. 
Yeah, it's his transporter. Oh, it's a transporter. Okay, yeah. I was like, this is weird. I didn't know what it was. Gary Seven did have cool computer, a cool computer, and a cool. Uh, like Gary, Gary Seven was really cool. Like you know, he had that whole G-Man thing of the nineteen fifties and sixties. You know, the big brow and you know, very serious. I, I thought he, I thought he was a great character. He's he's Roger Moore before Roger Moore. Yeah, maybe. And the other thing about this is like. Um, in, in the novels, they took these characters, Roberta and him, um, in one particular... Don't forget Isis. And Isis. I remember reading um, the Eugenics War. It was the story of Khan before he became Khan, you know, as a kid and all this. And Gary Seven was his mentor, actually, through this this two-volume two uh, book. And it was... in Roberta Lincoln was not portrayed as the ditzy blonde that Terry Gar always is in every movie or in every show she's always in. But she, she still played... I mean... I think she's pretty young in her career here too, because she looks very young. I had to check if it was her or not. She's but, under uh, thirty. She our generation doesn't know if we'll make it to thirty. She says. Um, yeah. So and, just and, so you know, Adam, your yeah. description of that two-part book is more interesting than this entire episode. Read the book; it's great. Read the like book. I, I would. That sounds already better. Like, <laughs> Second tier episodes of the original series. But 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 what what Gary Seven and Roberta Lincoln were doing and ISIS, they were trying to keep Khan's group, you know, down and, and keep him controlled because they recognized him as a superior being back, you know, early on in his life. It was actually cool because it was one ep one um, part of the book where they were describing. Remember the Union Carbide explosion in, in India, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and. Uh, and, and Khan was there and Gary seven was there and they were trying to you know, rescue people and, and Khan that turned them. Like he would be like, what, you know, I, I can't live in a world like this where people don't matter. And, and it was, it was just so interesting that that whole event described in that book. That but, sounds 20,000 times better than this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I gotta say, I, I, why I love Gary seven character and I love Terry Gar as an actress, that Roberta Lincoln portrayal was not what I got from the book. Cause I, so, I don't, well, the yeah, book came out way later, obviously, yeah, but, and Carrie Gar, she's about twenty-five at this point. To your point, oh, she's twenty. She's twenty. She's yeah. born in forty-four, and this is nineteen sixty-eight. Born in forty-seven, dude. Carrie Gar is born in nineteen forty-four. So she's born in nineteen forty-seven. Here, December eleventh, nineteen forty-seven. I have December. Maybe got her older brother, Terry Gar. T E R R Y. Well, maybe I. I'm looking at Memory Alpha. What are you on Wikipedia? IMDb. IMDb. Well, what, uh, older brother. Maybe she lied about her age at some point. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because she. I don't know. Yeah, but Jeff, did you just on this? Um, uh, sorry, where I'm looking for the Gary Seven picture. Gary Seven. Um, did he remind you of Peter Weller at all? He does too. He, yeah, he reminds me of Roger Moore. You know, like a little. He's bit, definitely like, got a bit of a, a more vibe to him, especially in his face. When did yeah. James Bond? What year? Well, James Bond uh, would, would have been coming out as early as the 19, early 1960s, right? James Bond yeah. movies. Yeah, um, 62 was the Connery movies. But yeah, Roger Moore, I don't know when he was his first Bond movie, but I'm guessing it was the 70s. I don't think he had one. I think it would have been I'm, not, I'm not an expert yeah. in James Bond uh, and when... And when that was that torch was best, but yeah, I get, I get it because secret agents and spy things and Cold War, it was like the talk of the sixties, seventies, and eighties for that matter. You know, oh, yeah. it was, um, and I get, I get a little bit like when you consider Harry Mud, other these other recurring characters they were trying to do. I guess to have this recurring character that 
would give them a reason to go back in time, I guess, or. Well, you almost get kind of a temporal war vibe uh, with this, right? Like it's the, you know, especially when it comes to enterprise and stuff like that, it's, you know, you have the whole temporal cold war and all that. And it's like, this guy could easily fit into that. Like it wouldn't, wouldn't be hard at all to write him into the temporal cold war by any stretch. Right. Cause he's able to figure out that the enterprise is from the future. And when he sees Spock, once he sees a Vulcan, because he knows who the Vulcans are, and he, his, what, whoever, because Gary Seven's not even his real name. His name is like Supervisor 292 or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's just a code. Yeah. Because so, when he's logging into the computer. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm super now curious about where he came from. What are those aliens? Um, he said, and he said, you won't even know about my, these people in your time. Right. Um, by the 23rd century, you you won't even be aware of us. Like not the humans, I guess, but the the aliens that took. But that could definitely get back to the temporal cold war because you had the guys from like the 3200s and stuff in it. And oh sure, you could tie this into cold temporal cold war. Like I I think that's interesting. This whole like if you could tie it into Khan, and now you have this. So the books tie them into Khan. Right, but if you were actually to to make that canon and do some kind of a a, a version of that um, now, I would would be intrigued. So I guess I'm trying to look in the bright side here that I think this Gary Seven character maybe could have had potential or something like with his, his, whatever organization he works for. But the fact that this was just a one-off, I think makes it sort of... Sure. And, And you know what, Jody, you reminded me of how silly the episode was in the beginning uh, honestly I, but i don't I, I forgot about that because i i did think huh that well you can try and travel now like why not like that was, that was well and, and it's very it's very displacing because you you start off the episode and you're wanting your star trek and you get a version of star trek that doesn't make sense based on everything else we know about star trek at that time i'm not even talking about anything that happened after this that i would be privy to know i'm just talking about all the episodes prior to this uh when did they all of a sudden have the ability to harness time travel uh every time they've had it it's always been like a total mix-up or something like that An like accident it was or it's extremely difficult to do yeah it's extremely and it's like it literally was like okay let's get them time circuits going and we're gone you know it's like wow okay um we don't see them uh going yeah, back don't in see time and we don't see them going back to their own time at all that's right and, yeah. and you, you, don't, you don't want that easy like you like personally I, you know you don't want them to be able to there's got to be a challenge time. yeah it, it's yeah. yeah i agree with you on that it, if everybody can go back in time and then that's like the thing that bugged war. me about this episode the most was i wanted star trek and i didn't get it like there wasn't much star trek to be seen in this episode it was a lot of something kind of like star trek um it almost looked like more of an advertisement for something than anything it's a backdoor pilot well, no, and I understand it's a backdoor pilot. I, I get that, but it, it's you know what? If you're going to cross over two series, this probably isn't your best example of doing that. Um, it's to me, this is just it's 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 bland. It's fairly boring for the most part, and it really is completely out of context for what it should be. Which is at least like even even when you see like Scotty and Kirk and I, all them, you barely see them, and when you do see them. They're in ridiculous outfits where they look like they should be singing band in Big Sugar uh, or, you know, something like that. Like, it, it's to me, this is not a Star Trek episode. I could easily always skip this episode and never feel bad about it. 
the hippie episode i would definitely skip but i know it's still a star trek episode by heart this one doesn't seem like that it, it seems like it was an episode that was just kind of tied in at the last second it was written for something else and they kind of just threw some star trek in there and in what they threw in wasn't even good so <laughs> to me it, it's just it, it, like this is the, the cat itself was ridiculous um you know, Terry Gar's character, I can't remember her name, but, you know, she was, you know, your typical, you know, blonde airhead. Hey, quit monkeying around. Yeah, Jody. quit monkeying around. But you know what? Stuff like that doesn't bother me. I, I don't mind the campy little things once in a while, but this entire thing went from campy to just disappointing. It, it was just, it was brutal. Let me ask you this. Okay, let's just talk about, like, the mechanics of the plot a little bit. So we talked about how they're <laughs> already back in, they're, well, yeah, they're already, <laughs> like, the episode starts with a 1968 here for a, for an everyday routine time travel observ observation. Um, and then they they are intercepting a transporter beam, a powerful transporter beam, and that's how Gary Seven materializes onto the, um, onto the pad, right? And so, and then there's all this, like, they have this little bit of a conversation, but Gary Seven doesn't want much to do with them, and but they were like, "Well, we can't let you go without like confirming who you are, or where you come from." And and Gary Seven's not very cooperative. Uh, he's uh, actually quite he doesn't the need to be like, but but number one, he was snatched. It's not like it's not like he just ended up in their doorstep. Like he was snatched. So you, if, you if, take his position because he's like, this is my time. I'm actually from this time. You're yeah, not. bitch. This is I'm in control of this area, not you. And who the fuck are you guys? And why are you even here? Like, that's really what should have been the, the questions. Uh, but, you know, it, it's uh, but this, again, they, they spend the whole episode chasing him. And and I don't know how they why? because they, they're afraid he's an alien invader or something. Right. Yeah. OK. <laughs> history. He's here to. He's part of the temple. The episode, they're afraid. Or... The the episode to me is not told from the perspective of Kirk and Spock. It's told from the perspective of Gary Seven. Absolutely. So it's almost not a Star Trek episode in that sense. You know, like very few episodes are, you know, centered around a character that really doesn't. He's in the same universe, yes, but his the whole direction of what his show would be would be way different. You know. Uh, so, there's no other Star Trek episode like this I can think sorry Dad, one sec say that again say that everybody's got to open their mind to uh, like it, it's not all the same you know what all... Ted with with all due respect no, I don't need to open my goddamn every, mind on every one of these episodes every, every episode was the same we wouldn't be having this, this um, communication here Oh, I completely agree with you on that, but I, but so just because they're, no, I disagree totally with everything you say, and <laughs> your, your, your points make no points. I'm going to go out on a limb here and tell you you're an idiot. Oh, okay. Oh, bringing a hot fire. No sense. I thought this was a hell of a good episode. I watched the whole damn thing twice <laughs> in the last two weeks, and I was excited. <laughs> I watched it again. It was so damn good. So what you're saying is full of shit. Yeah. There. There. <laughs> I <did my> <laughs> All right. Is that time to go to fun facts or is um, I well, guess sure. I've been we told can to, we can go to double F. Double F for Jeff. Okay, let's go. No. In fairness, then you're gonna have to listen to some of these fun facts. Um maybe Jody has a point on some things. This is the only episode of Star Trek in which time travel is treated as routine. The temporal 
Prime Directive does not yet appear to have been proposed, least of all taken effect. So the Star Trek we know in a lot of ways that this would never happen. You know, so it's kind of mind blowing, I think. Just though, Dave and Jody, it was the second year, and nothing really has been really established that firm right. uh, as what you know now, 20, 30 years later. 40 no, years for later. sure. Uh, Gary Seven's computer display is the same one used as Dr. Daystrom's M5 computer in The Ultimate Computer, as well as being used by Mr. Atos, the librarian in All Our Yesterdays. I don't think we've seen that one yet. No. Yeah. This, but this is obviously the other one we did. We did tomorrow yeah. was yesterday. But not all our yesterdays. This is the only episode of Star Trek in which a guest star is listed after the opening credits rather than in the end credits. Guest starring Robert Lansing as Mr. Seven. Mr. Is Seven. That guy was huge back in those days. To get this guy to do that part was probably a big... Robert Lansing? He was, a, he was a big actor? Yeah. Was he? Oh, yeah. What was well, he yeah. I think he was going um, on the back. I'll look him up. He, he was in the Equalizer in the yeah. 80s. Ah. That was way later. He was um, on shows like Bonanza, Gunsmoke, Law and Order, mm. The Mod Squad, Murder All, all, the, show, all the shows uh, Tarantino watched when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, all the cowboy. Uh, okay. Um, Spock mentions all the events which are to occur on the date the Enterprise traveled back in time to the 20th century and met Gary Seven. Among the events mentioned was an important political assassination. As it turned out, there were two, ultimately two important political assassinations in 1968. Just six days after this episode aired on March 29th, 1968, Reverend Martha, Martin Luther King Jr. was shot and killed in, in Memphis, Tennessee. And on April 4th, two months later, uh, oh, sorry, on June 6th, two months later, uh, Robert F. Kennedy was killed in Los Angeles. So, wow. It was kind of like a ooh, ominous Pro thing. Prophetic. But, well, yeah, because JFK was the, the biggest, most famous assassination up until that year. And well, that had been five years earlier. Five years earlier. And yeah. then two more big yeah, ones. Right. And they talked about an, a coup in, in Asia as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the script. The uh, the script called for Isis the cat to make various cat sounds on cue, meows, purrs, growls. Since finding appropriate real cat sounds for the uh, soundtrack proved problematic, the director discovered that Barbara Babcock, who was hired to do the voice of the Beta 5 computer, could vocalize convincing cat sounds. I knew that wasn't a real cat. I don't know I if said, I'd go as far as say convincing. I said to Jane, those were not cat sounds. Those were people yeah. sounds. <laughs> It had it had Dave fooled a little bit though. He wasn't hundred percent sure. No, I was sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, while at the launch base and showing his ID to the security person, Mr. Seven shows a national security agency credential card. The NSA was one of the worst kept government secrets, but was not publicly acknowledged until nearly twenty-five years after this episode originally aired. I didn't well, know that. I never knew that the NSA was like not even a recognized because it goes against the like, I guess the the Second Amendment or the Third, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, Terry Gar had such an unpleasant time filming this episode; she refused to ever talk about Star Trek again. One reason was Gene Roddenberry's frequent clashes with the costume designers over the length of Roberta's skirt. Roddenberry wanted it shortened to to the extent that uh, Miss Miss Gar's underwear is glimpsed on certain occasions. 
Well, Roddenberry was a perv. We all know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's proof. Yeah. Uh, this episode features one of the first uses of stock footage of the first test launch of the Saturn V moon rocket in November of 1967. So that's what you're watching when you're watching those rockets. Uh, three black cats were used for the role of ISIS. That one, I guess that's important. Uh, this is the only episode where a Federation transporter system is used to intercept and redirect another transporter so beam. Yeah, that's another. It it it, it makes it weird too a little bit. Right. Uh, uh, no scenes for this episode were actually shot at Cape Canaveral itself. The illusion of being in Florida was achieved by using a combination of stock footage and Paramount Studio locations. Right. right. Is that why this guy from like the Love Boat was on the was on the show? Or uh, he was like the, all these security guards with their white hats and their short sh short sleeves. Yeah, it was an illusion. Uh, the main plot line of countries launching nuclear weapons into space had a real world metaphor at the time. The major world powers pledged to use outer space for peaceful purposes in the Outer Space Treaty that became official on October 10th, 1967. Hmm. Space Force. Space Force. Is that this episode takes place in 1968, along with Enterprise Storm Stormfront. Is that a good episode, Jody? Which takes place in 1944. This. Is oh yeah, one, yeah. Actually, that's this, a pretty decent episode. This is Go one ahead. of only two Star Trek episodes that take place entirely in the 20th century. Furthermore, yeah. both episodes take place <clears throat> mostly in and around New York City. Oh, that was the other thing that um, I because I I made this comparison to Gary Seven being like Doctor Who with a sonic screwdriver, but he's also like Jedi mind tricks where he's like getting people like to think other things and or like like selectively change their memories. He's almost like Men in Black too. It's kind of he's like Men in Black or James Bond where he's got gadgets and yeah, he's kind of like Men in Black. I did I had a lot of Men in Black feelings watching this episode of Men in Black Three because <laughs> Men in Black Three is the same thing, Cape Red Canaveral and all missile yeah. launch and. They have to stop it. So I had a lot of the men in black um, feelings. Watching. Maybe they copied this episode. They might Maybe. have used inspiration for the third movie. Yeah, I could see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Star Trek Voyager Prime Factors was originally going to be based on assignment Earth. George R. David R. George III and Eric Still was originally story. Uh, original story involved the crew of Voyager encountering the race that had dispatched Gary Seven. However, this was declined as the Agus's technology could transport individuals over thousands of light years, there, thereby providing an easy out for the USS Voyager, precluding the series. Yeah, well, that's true. So, that's too bad because that would have actually been interesting. I think. Uh, Gary Seven Servo is used in ways not unlike Doctor Who, which we were talking about, Sonic Screwdriver, which had been invented for the now famous BBC series just a couple of years earlier. Seven also has a young, naive, attractive human companion, much as the Doctor always has. Whether this is co coincidence or the writers had some awareness of Doctor Who, uh, and now his like, iconic tool is unknown. I, I just don't think it is. Maybe it's from Delfray. Because the third john pertwee was using the sonic screwdriver and and this is before that but they said it was invent they came maybe they had it like in, i don't know well maybe just because i don't know i gotta, I gotta actually maybe i need to fact check that maybe you're wrong. i don't know the fun fact says that you know you're wrong about that never never the question fun, the fun fact the, steve the fun fact does not lie it's true well, yeah. it's sometimes okay <laughs> 
okay. Gene Roddenberry would later work key elements of this story, an agent to Earth by aliens to shepherd humanity out of its childhood with help from a human into another unsuccessful pilot titled The Questers Tapes, with the agent being an android. Well, thank God we didn't get that. <laughs> Uh, the sound when Scotty was zooming in on Gary Seven's position is the same one as used for the poison dart flower. That sound they used a lot, by the way, too. It was weird. I, I, what do you? How, can you describe it for me, or can you make it? Like, it, it was like every time they like zoomed in, it was like, duh, 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 or like, oh it had, like, yeah, yeah. Weird... It's like it's like a weird dial thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, didn't have the uh, sound effects they have today. No, it was just odd. They, they used it a lot. They probably used it like 15 times in the episode. Uh, the name Roberta Lincoln is a feminine version of Robert Lincoln. Robert Todd Lincoln was a lawyer, politician, businessman who had a long career and was present at or near the violent deaths of three U.S. presidents, Abraham Lincoln, his father, James A. Garfield, and William McKinley. In the Assignment Earth spinoff series, Gary Seven and Roberta Lincoln would have been in the business of rescuing people from assassinations. Right. Are you going to mention James Doohan was the voice of that uh, controller? What controller? Like, like the uh, at Cape Canaveral, it was like the the, the oh. voice on the announcer, like the the like the countdown. Was that oh, it definitely was. I could recognize it. Yeah. He did a lot of. Voice I know work, James. So. I know James Doohan's voice from a mile away. I do now. I didn't used to, but he like he could do like that. Like when he would do um uh like the, that like. I am the God voice or like the announcer yeah. voice. And it doesn't sound right. anything like Scotty, but no. And that's why you, you never think it's him. Because uh, if, if you just talk in a weird Scottish accent all the time, your normal voice would sound weird. <laughs> he got typecast uh, as a Scottish guy, but he wasn't even Scottish. That's hilarious. Uh, the aliens, which Gary seven represents call themselves the Agus. Another word for shield. Gary's tool slash weapon is known as a servo. The Marvel comics, fictional agency shield, Strategic Hazard Intervention Espionage and Logistics uh, Directorate was depicted as servo, which sounds like brain in French. Servo. Uh, okay, so here's what Adam was talking about. Gary Seven and or Roberta Lincoln uh, appear in Star Trek novels such as Assignment Eternity by Greg Cox, Star Trek The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan, uh, Noonie and Singh in 2001, also by Cox, and from History Shadow 2013 by Dayton Ward in the short story Seven and Seven by Kevin Hosey, and in Star Trek Strange New Worlds Volume 6 2003, Gary Seven teams up with Seven of Nine from Star Trek Voyager in another one in 1995. Uh, okay, um, the art on the wall in the office is Reginald is from Reginald Pollock. Who's that? I don't know. Is that a famous artist? Don't know. I thought, I thought you guys might know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not. Pollock was a famous artist, yes. Roberta Lincoln was born in 1948, Dave. They made her even younger than the lie, I guess, that... What's her name? May, um, Terry Gar. Terry Gar. <laughs> when is she born? Is she 1944? According to this she, website, it says she's born in 44. Oh, it's funny. rude to ask. Hmm. It's weird that on IMDb it would be wrong. 
the sticker on the windshield of the car that Gary Seven uses says Mission Director Cromwell. An actor named James Cromwell would later take several roles in the Star Trek universe, most famously as Zephram Cochran. Uh, there's a 47 reference while scanning Kirk and Spock's location on Earth from the Enterprise. Scotty tells them to proceed five meters, 247 degrees. I don't know how that's not really great. Um, <laughs> I think that's a stretch. That's a stretch. Yeah. This story served as a backdoor pilot for a proposed new series. Gary Seven was an Earthman from the future who had been sent back in time to combat the Omegans. An evil alien people who've mastered time travel. The pilot, however, didn't sell and was never made into a television series. That's like a temporal Cold War thing, Jody. Mm-hmm. Yep. In March 2019, this team from Larry Namek's podcast, The Trek Files, identified the actors playing Isis in her in her human form as April Tatro. Some older sources incorrectly named Victoria Vetri, who was the, who always denied playing the role. So they they cracked the case, Dave, on a podcast. Who was playing the one the woman that was the cat? I, I was also just reading here about Robert Lansing, and he uh, was married to somebody named Emily McLaughlin, who went on to marry Jeffrey Hunter, who also played Chris Pike in the original pilot, The Cage. So she got around with the Star Trek. Actor. That's another example of like a Star Trek actor marrying another Star Trek actor after a divorce. The other yeah. being Leonard Nimoy. Uh, okay, so as Assignment Earth was written to introduce a, a hope for a spinoff series of the same name, which was never materialized, the series would have featured Robert Lansing as Gary Seven, Barbara Babcock as Isis, and Terry Gar as Roberta Lincoln. In the new series, the intrepid trio would have worked to make sure humanity achieved the destiny, destiny glimpse via the Star Trek characters and Seven's mysterious extraterrestrial information. It could have been good. I think there was potential. It might have been like I think it would have been Sabrina the Change Witch. I think I think uh, <laughs> I think Jody's right. <laughs> what do I know? I think it would have been a good show. <laughs> okay, that's it for fun. Okay, facts. thanks, Jeff. All right, well let's uh, let's dare we rate this. Let's let's get into it. Uh, let's take down Dad uh, here for a second. That's gonna give it a ten, just to balance everything out. Yeah, just to balance this. Um, let's get this up here. All right. So this episode was the twenty-sixth episode of the second season. Uh, whether, regardless of what order you go by, um, so that's good. All right. Um, it, it was mentioned. Mark Daniels directed it. Gene Roddenberry, Art Wallace, and it aired on March 29, nineteen sixty-eight. But let's let's uh, go to Dad first. Dad, what are you gonna give it? A smooth, a smooth, unabated nine. Okay. Um, I enjoyed this less than Requiem from Methuselah. So I'm going to have to go. I'm not trying to be dramatic here. Yeah, okay. I'm going to one. <laughs> Jeff? Did you just put a one in? Yeah. You did. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to give it, I think it's a, to me, it's like a four and a half. Adam? Eight. Eight. All right. And Jody? Uh, there was some things I liked. Uh, I'm going to give it two and a half. 
Two and a half. Okay, more than I would give it. All right, there we go. So that is a averages at five point zero even between the. This is a divided panel. Assignment Earth is a polarizing episode. Uh, quite a bit of a split here. Um, it is a seven point six in IMDb, which is a little bit lower than average for them. Um, a six point three combined. Um, I think that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that's. Um, but uh, I'm sure we all have different opinions, as you can see by the varied scores. Um, I I think we should we should try to put this one in the rear view and 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 talk about something else. Uh, what what would be our next episode? Uh, me and Adam like it. We'll watch it again next week. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let's like let's take a look at the list and what is sort of still on the board. What was that um, one you were referring to from the 40s or the 30s? You just again. Um, from sorry, what are you, what are you referencing? You, we were just talking about an episode where they were back in the 30s or 40s on Earth. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't me who said it, I don't think. No, it's sitting on the internet forever. Oh, that was from Enterprise. Adam. It was from Enterprise, oh, okay. yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's an episode where they're in 1944. Oh, it's it. the only other episode that's completely in the 20th century. I see. Like, there are some great episodes still on the board here. Um, you know, we got uh, season one's got like episodes like charlie x the naked time we also have the squire of gothos um we have this side of paradise we got friday's child i started watching i i, I got my episodes mixed up and i was watching the one with athos um what's it called um the reference um the, the apple's really a good one dave the apple i, I don't yeah, that really one the name the title doesn't mean anything but we can do that next the apple that's a really good one okay well that's what we'll do. We will go to the apple, the apple of our eye, if you will. So we'll be bringing that to our eye next Wednesday here on Live Long and Podcast as we cover the original series episodes. Yeah, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry about this assignment, Earth. I'm sorry you like it and I don't. It's just how it is. But it's um, it's okay. So, um, but we'll talk about the Apple next week, uh, a season two episode, it appears, season two, episode nine by production order. I have to look up if it's got a different air date order. Um, and I think that's it. Is there anything else you guys want to say about, about this or no? I think we said, I think we said everything we need to say. Okay. <laughs> So just to, just to wrap up a few things here, uh, Live Long and Podcast, we're, we're here multiple times a week talking about different Star Trek podcasts, if you didn't know. Tuesdays, Deep Space Nine. Jeff, we're into season three. We talked about a, a Equilibrium last night. That's right. We're doing Second Skin next. Uh, we're continuing our, our our journey to watch every episode in order. We'll be doing... Uh, is Kira Cardassian is or is she not? She might I, be. I say yes. It could be. You watch that, check that episode out and watch our podcast next Tuesday. We'll be here to talk about the Apple on Wednesday's original series. Uh, we also have, we did a whole bunch of podcasts with Star Trek movie rewatches, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, all that's there. Adam was part of some of those. Jody, you were part of some of those. So uh, check out all of our companion podcasts. Um, we also have Star Trek Radio Theater, which we will be coming at you with this um, Sunday night, uh, a rare Sunday appearance, as we're going to be doing the Star Star Trek Next Generation episode disaster. Um, it's all with the kids, right? The kids. Um, yeah, the Frere Jacques. Frere Jacques. Frere Jacques. Okay, yeah. Jeff's going to be Jeff's gonna be one of the the Frere Jacques. Uh, is is there a coolant leak in this episode? There's a plasma fire. 
There's a plasma fire. Plasma fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, at least you got uh, LaForge. You're you're already set. LaForge and Doctor Crusher stuck in a cargo bay together. So uh, there's there's uh, this is a really fun bottle episode. I'm I'm excited to uh, to bring this to you. And Ashley Millard it will be her birthday on Sunday night. So we're it, it is her episode. birthday. Yeah. Adam, you're in this too. You're you're Commander Riker. Excellent. I love this episode. I think it's a great one. It's a good episode. Yeah. yeah. It's a great episode. It's uh it's it's no assignment Earth Dad, but you know it's, nope. it's okay. Um. <laughs> So and then this was Captain Picard Day too, right? It's Captain Picard Day. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Captain Picard. I'm a role model. All those things. Yes, he's gonna be doing that. The best thing about that episode, though, is with Riker holding the doll. Yes, (laughs) that is so funny. Every time I see it, I laugh. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of soul. (laughs) Number one. Like it's oh. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, also, our other channel, Super Mater Brothers Podcasting, uh, where we do different TV shows. Right now, we're doing Big Brother Canada Nine. Jamil and I, uh, we're covering every episode. We're gonna, actually, I got to jump off here. Go watch Big Brother Canada tonight, and we'll be talking about that tonight. Right after that episode, uh, was, I think is actually airing right now, but I'll be an hour later because priorities um so check that out on mondays wednesdays and thursdays all around nine or ten o'clock jimmy L and i will be over at super major brothers podcasting covering about every episode telling you how that game is going and then we also have um we'll be on friday we're gonna do an mcu uh on super major brothers podcasting as we're gonna be talking about wandavision season one Jamil, yeah. ashley and i uh yeah i liked it a lot so uh, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into that and uh and start uh, talking about the tv um mcu shows i think so that's gonna be good and then trivial debates our monthly show where we argue about movies tv sports and more uh we'll be doing one at the end of march i don't know who the host is i don't know who the contestants are yet but we're working on it so uh i think adam should be on it he should we keep trying to come get him to come back he's been any times are heard for me on sunday well, we can yeah, we can we can play around with it, but yeah, it's usually a Sunday afternoon. So anyway, we'll be we do check out Trivial Debates, our other channel, um, and I think that's it. Uh, I want to thank everybody. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jody. Thanks, Adam, and thanks, Dad, thank for uh, for Assignment Earth. We had to watch it at some point. So uh, I think we could... <laughs> that's that's one way to one way to uh, advertise it. Yeah, we had to watch it at some point, <laughs> and, and we did it. And averaged it at 8.5. Yeah. Well, you and Adam averaged it at 8.5. Jody and I averaged at a 1.1. So it was, we're all over the place. I Jeff it right and a half, I think. Jeff right sorely in the middle on this, uh, on this whole Hardly thing. in the middle. Okay. I, I, I like the, like certain things about the episode, but I some of it, it's not, it's not good. It's not good enough for me to say it would pass. You know, it wouldn't pass like school. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's not. It's you're not got the the, the D minus. It's still an F. The episode's still <laughs> an F. But all right, all right. Okay, we we've uh, we we said enough about it. So thanks everybody for the podcast tonight, and uh, we'll see you next time on uh, Live Long and Podcasts. Until then, okay. have a good night. All right, see ya. Oh, thank you.